This is We Make People. I'm Robin Phillip. Is your mental health something on your radar? It wasn't for me until I realized that a number of women very close to me were struggling at one point with mental health issues, and I didn't even know it. I couldn't even possibly imagine what it would be like to have to leave my house. The light never came. So it never I got brain. You know, I, I didn't wake up and brush my teeth and have a shower and suddenly feel better and take on the you day. Know, and I was staying at home to literally lie on my couch and not shower for three days. And, and I like, had a thought that I could just drive off the road right now and it would all be done. Take a minute. Think about all of the women in your life. Mothers, sisters, girlfriends, cousins, aunts, your friends, your family, your co-workers, your classmates. How many of them do you know have suffered with a mental health issue? Have you? Five or six years ago, I would have struggled with this question, and outside of a few outliers in my family and social circles, I would not have been able to point to anyone close to me that was suffering. As I sit here today, I have realized that most of the women in my life have been challenged by their mental health at some point. This has been a huge wake-up call for me. In the next couple of episodes, I will be focusing on mental health, and with the help of a couple of awesome ladies I know, I want to uncover what depression looks like, how it feels for them, how they've coped with the symptoms, and how empowering it is to discover balance and peace in their lives again. I also want to propose a few suggestions that will hopefully lead you to start having real and meaningful conversations with your family and your friends and maybe even your healthcare provider about mental health. Okay, full disclosure, I am not a healthcare professional. And if you've listened to any of the previous episodes or read any of the features on the website, you will know I come from a technical background, probably the opposite of someone working in healthcare. But I wonder if a topic like this, if discussed by women who are not healthcare professionals, can uncover some of the stigma and prejudice for others who are uncertain about mental health and are unaware of the prevalence and the impact it has on the people around them. In high school, I was intrigued by and studied up on schizophrenia and other serious psychiatric illnesses, probably more for the sensation of it, but the resources I had were decades old painting people with such mental illnesses as freaks requiring permanent institutionalization and shock treatments and lobotomies. That was my perception of mental illness. Someone that was crazy, full of mania, looking to harm themselves or someone else and not belonging in general society. Wow, right? As an adult, I know that none of these things I was exposed to are accurate. And maybe a lot of that has to do with the advances in the availability of medications and the sheer acknowledgement that mood disorders and anxiety can affect anyone. But I only came to this in the last few years of my life when I finally got it and I realized just how many people, not only in my life, now are affected by mental health struggles, but also being able to look back on the people who are no longer in my life and realizing this person was probably struggling with anxiety and others suffering with full-on episodes of depression. Before we go any further, 
I want to say that if you believe you're struggling with a mental health issue, please speak to your doctor. This is the first time I will say this, but it will not be the last. So what is the difference between mental health and mental illness? So often I hear them being used interchangeably and that's incorrect. Mental health is something that everyone has and it's used more as a qualitative verbiage, not unlike how you might comment on the quality of your digestive health or your reproductive health. Mental illness refers to a recognized diagnosed disorder. So you can be diagnosed with a mental illness, say something like a mood disorder, but find yourself in good mental health having sought treatment. Get it? Mental health is a vast and varied topic. So for the sake of clarity, let's focus on the mental illness of depression. According to Stats Canada, in 2009, women between the ages of 25 and 44 were twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression than men. The World Health Organization also found that women predominate men when it comes to depression and mood disorders. And there are a plethora of reasons for this globally, including gender roles, violence against women, poverty, and a huge power differential between men and women. So let's dive in. What is depression? As per the Canadian Mental Health Association, depression is a mental illness that affects a person's mood and the way a person feels. Mood impacts the way people think about themselves, relate to others, and interact with the world around them. This is more than a bad day or quote-unquote feeling blue. Without supports like treatment, depression can last for a long time. Signs of depression include feeling sad, worthless, hopeless, guilty or anxious a lot of the time. Some feel irritable or angry, people lose interest in things they used to enjoy and may withdraw from others. Depression can make it hard to focus on tasks and remember information, and it can be hard to concentrate, learn new things, and make decisions. Depression can change the way people eat and sleep, and many people experience physical health problems. One of the big reasons depression is misunderstood is because there exists a very real stigma that questions why someone with depression can't just will themselves better. Just get off the couch. Just get out of bed. Find a hobby. Try some yoga. Start eating vegan. In fact, many people suffering with depression have these same doubts that often cause them to avoid seeking treatment. According to the Center of Addiction and Mental Health, 60% of people with mental health problems or illnesses won't seek help for fear of being labeled. Sure, we all doubt ourselves and can feel irritable from time to time, but does it affect your day-to-day -day life? Do you have these feelings consistently for more than two weeks? Then I suggest you talk to your doctor. The duration and severity of these symptoms can further define what kind of depression you might be struggling with and your doctor can help with that. Because guess what? All mental illnesses can be treated. There is more to all this than just identifying depression. What about when you suspect someone might be suffering from depression? How do you deal with witnessing someone having a depressive episode? What about if you're not in crisis? Is there a benefit to seeking treatment if you don't have poor mental health? These are all questions I want to answer. For me, these textbook style definitions and impersonal descriptors of something as personal as depression must be looked at through the experiences of real women. Real stories that you can relate to, real experiences that you can empathize with, and understand how these definitions actually manifest in a person with a job, with a family, with friends, 
And I hope through this, you may recognize some of these things in yourself or in others around you. So you may start to have conversations about mental health. That, my friends, is the goal of this podcast. I'm going to start with Natalie. My name's Natalie. I am a photographer and an optician's assistant full time. And I'm 32. Natalie's a very vocal person when it comes to sharing her experiences with depression and mental illness. But she shared a lot of information about her health in general for this podcast, and I want to respect her privacy as much as I can for the sake of this interview, and I'm not going to be publishing her full name. She is free to publicize this on her own, but the internet can be a big dark place, and I want to protect her as much as I want to share her story. I don't believe this takes away from the impact of her experiences, and the goal is not to sensationalize, but to educate and promote discussion. She's trying to tell me that she's proud of me, and I'm just like, it's okay. (laughs) Like, when you first meet Natalie, you see a stylish, confident woman. She has shoulder length, dark hair, and blunt fringe that highlights dramatic eyes, which are usually paired with a bright red, bold lip. She exudes someone who is fun, outgoing, and highly creative, and her sense of humor is self deprecating and witty, and she is devoid of any pretense. This is not the picture of a person you would imagine struggles with depression. You're too happy, you're too outgoing, you're this, you're that. Like, there's no way that you're depressed. I don't think that you're depressed. And I'm like, well, you're not a doctor. So um, it took a lot of years, probably 10 years. Yet for more than a decade, she's dealt with episodes of depression, never really knowing that it could be a mental illness. Like, I'd have a good day and then a bad thought would enter my head and I would just focus on that. And then that would make me, you know, that would make my temper rise and it would change my behavior. You know, I would be belligerent and just like angry and and yelly. And then that would cause me to like eat my emotions, which affected my diet and my body and how I felt. And it just kind of like went into the spiral where it was happening so frequently, these kind of like mood swings if you will. Um, And I was just kind of in my bedroom for for days. And I'm usually really social. um, And I'm okay with kind of balancing my my sadness with going out and like hanging out with people. Um, But I wasn't doing that at all. Like I was just staying home. Usually about a week, week and a half was like the longest that it would last. But it was exhausting when it would last that long. Because then like, you know, I would I would wake up and be looking forward to going to work and then just to get out just to get out of my space like get out of my head get out of my room and it was like something was keeping me tied to the bed where it was like I couldn't even possibly imagine what it would be like to have to leave my house so I would just you know I would call in sick and that's something that I was doing all the time when I was younger and I thought I was just irresponsible and lazy (laughs) but it was because I was just sad like you know, and I was staying at home to literally lie on my couch and not shower for three days and like just eat the grossest things, like whatever food I could get. Like I wouldn't cook. I would just be eating stuff straight out of the fridge. Like I would just have like a baggie of like ham, <laughs> you know, and I didn't think that there was anything weird about that because nobody was talking about it. And it wasn't until I started watching, you know, I don't know, people got, became more vocal about it. And like, you know, I watched that Pat Oswalt episode or special and he 
was talking about his depression like it was this hilarious thing but this very real thing that happens to him it's like i do that you know and then i was like okay this people actually do that and that that's depression that's when i started reading more about it and uh, and kind of you know seeing what i can do about changing the quality of life Natalie did the right thing and finally went to her doctor with her concerns. Yeah, I went to see my family doctor and I was like, listen, I'm having trouble with what I think is depression, maybe some anxiety. Um, and he was very apprehensive about giving me medication, which I, I was also. So I was relieved that he didn't just hand me a script for pills because I, I did at the time, like I had no idea what that would have, what kind of effect that would have on my body. Or my brain, because I've heard a lot of like really awful things about medication. Um, so he sent me to counseling, but I got partnered up with this guy that was just, I don't know. his. I'm assuming that his career was just starting off and he just didn't have like a whole lot to say to me. And so I would go in there and basically he said that he was there to be there as a support while I talked about my experiences. Um. But I've got a lifetime of things that I could talk about. Like I've, I'm very aware of of like where my stuff comes from, you know, my family and, and all of that. And I would just get trapped into these like circles. Uh, I would tell a story and then I'm like, well, the reason I was upset in this story is relevant to this like previous story. So then I have, would have to go and tell that story. And again, that's tied to another experience. And just so that he could get a really good grasp of where I was coming from and that I wasn't just like this maniac that was sad because my dad made a bad joke, you know? Um, and I felt really good when I left and it wasn't until like two hours after I had left, I realized that I didn't talk about anything that I had planned on talking about when I went, when I went there. And I think I went there five times and I was just like, okay, this is not working for me. Natalie's experiences with counseling is not uncommon and it's not unusual that the first mental health professional that you connect with might not be the one you stay with. This is important because if you're not comfortable or you don't feel you're being heard, then that person might not be a good fit for you. And that's okay. I decided to go back to counseling went back to my doctors, got a referral to free counseling. Um, but it takes forever to get in. Like, I think I waited a month and a half to even be assigned with a counselor. Um, and even then you were waiting about three to four weeks between sessions and three to four weeks doesn't seem like a whole lot of time. Like at first I thought it was really great. I'm like, okay, well I'll have time to like live my life and then, and then touch base in three to four weeks with what's been going on with me, what my cycles have been like, how I've been feeling. Um, but it was way too long because I, I had so much happen in that time emotionally that I felt like I couldn't really keep track. So what happens for me anyways, um, this is another thing that I find very difficult to talk about when it comes to depression is that I feel like it would be universal, but I I can only assume that it's different. Obviously, it's different for everybody. Like, I don't have thoughts of self-harm or anything like that. Like, I don't want, I don't want to die. I'm just really sad. <laughs> um, but for me anyways, 
um, when I get into this really deep hole, um, I get so deep. And then in a couple of days when I resurface, um, I, it's like, I've lost memory of what it's like to feel that sad. Like it feels so far away from me and it feels so alien that it feels like it will never happen again. So then add three weeks to that. And I really can't remember like, you know, because it's like, I'm, I'm trying to remember like an old foggy memory. You know, you're trying to like pluck something out of your like four year old memory, like something that happened to you when you were four and like, you know, are, am I remembering this right? You know, and I had to start writing down my thoughts, like even in my saddest states, like I can't bear to do anything, but I'm like trying to even just point form like anger, <laughs> rage, like anything I could possibly write down so that I can communicate that to to my counselor. Okay, well, I guess this is what I was feeling. Unfortunately, the counselor that I was seeing there was amazing, but he died. So I had to go see somebody else and I was seeing him weekly, which was way better. Like it was so much easier to, you know, it wasn't like counting down the days. It felt like a year between sessions with my previous guy. Well, each one, like out of the three of them, each one was like, it was completely different from the last. So the first guy didn't really say anything. Uh, the second guy was, he was really good at validating my feelings, which is like a very, was a very big issue for me. Um, just to even have some, have somebody acknowledge that, that the way I feel is common or is okay. Like, no, you're not completely derailed. Yeah. You're valid in feeling that sad because of this like tiny little thing that happened. Um, and he really supported my artwork. Uh, he was, he was really great. And then this, the third guy, um, there was a lot of communication back and forth. So he would share things about himself with me. Um, and he would always like, he took a lot of notes and he would pause to, he would like make me pause so that he could ask me, well, can you elaborate on this? Like, what do you mean when you say this? So he was like, it, he was very engaged. Like I felt, I didn't feel like I was talking to a counselor. Like I felt like I was friends with this guy, but he made me feel so comfortable that I just, I talked to him in the most comfortable way. And I didn't feel bad about saying like the meanest, harshest things that I actually thought about myself. Like I didn't feel like he was going to look at me with this face, like of pity. You know, I don't tell my friends this stuff because it's just like, oh, but you're amazing. You're this amazing person. That doesn't help. It wasn't just the sessions that helped me be better. Um, after, I think, six or seven sessions with my most recent counselor, um, he said that I wasn't getting better. He's like, your behavior isn't changing. You're still in the same cycles. Where do you want to go from here? And I was so exhausted from having to just go every week to talk about my feelings that I was like, I, I don't know what else to do. I think I need medication. He's like, yeah. I support that decision. So I talked to my family doctor and I was prescribed uh, 10, 10 milligrams of Ciprolex. And uh, I've been taking that for seven months. At some point, therapy may only be able to get you so far and treatment may need to progress. For some people, that means medication. 
Antidepressants or mood-altering drugs are common for treating depression and for many can be a huge relief. Mostly I have found that I'm still very much myself, um, which is one of the biggest things that I really struggled with with taking medication. People would told me that I was going to be a zombie, that I would have no emotions, that, um, you know, all of that, that you lose yourself, you become a different person. The most drugs that I've ever taken are like aspirin, ibuprofen and stuff like that. Um, so I really have no grasp as to like what drugs can, what kind of effects they can really have on your body or your personality or who you are. So I found that so terrifying. I was just like, well, why would anybody, why would they even make these drugs if they change who you are? But me in my bed, dirty hair and like eating ham out of a bag, it's not who I am, right? Like my, my sadness isn't who I am either. So it's just like, well, where do we go from here? Like just try it and then you can always stop taking it. Although it was scary that they tell you also that you can't just stop taking it. The idea of having to wean myself off of something seemed so daunting and scary. Um, not now. It's working. Um, I think that the last time I spoke to you, I mentioned that I was thinking about potentially like talking to my counselor to stop my medication because I feel so at peace now. Like, I, like I said, like I, I don't, I still get sad, um, but I think it's like, I don't know, it's a little bit more, it feels a little bit more normal, like it doesn't completely derail my day, um, it doesn't, I'm not like bedridden, um, I'm okay to leave my house, um, and I feel very much myself, um, I'm very happy with my choice of taking my medication, but I actually had a day the other day, like this week, where I was so down and just like I was so bitter and angry at nothing, at literally nothing, and like angry with myself and I felt so defeated. Uh, how? Like I don't even understand how. Like it was a really weird day and I realized that 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 was my depression. Like I feel like it has been so long since I felt that way that it's almost unrecognizable. And then I had to like snap myself back into reality and be like, no, Natalie, like you're on meds. This is this is your depression. Nothing happened. You have nothing to be sad about. You were perfectly happy just yesterday. And the only difference is that today is a different day. Nothing has changed. Um, and I realized that um, I don't want to stop my medication because it's working. <laughs> it's just like, oh, people, I, I don't know how many people, but a lot of the time you hear about people wanting to stop their medication because they feel like they're better. Um, and I think that this is probably the perfect example of that. Like, I really thought that maybe I had turned a corner and that it had, that I had stopped being depressed. Uh, but realize that the only reason that things are really good is because my medication is working. Unfortunately, there remains a general demonization of these kinds of drugs in our society. Even my doctor, like every everybody. So I was trying to open up to friends about it, talking about like, listen, I think I'm going to start antidepressants. I don't know what else to do. And people were like, straight up, be careful with that shit. You know, you're, be careful. You can't just like get off of that stuff. You know, it changes who you are. Like, just be really careful. 
read about it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not taking heroin. Even my doctor though, is like, listen, things aren't changing. I'm really, I'm still really struggling. You mentioned medication and he's like, okay, I'm going to put you on Ciprolex. This isn't a long-term thing though. I want you to keep going to counseling. I want you to keep working on things. Um, but I'm not giving you this prescription with the idea that you're going to be on it forever. Seeking help for your mental health is not always easy, and you may require a combination of counseling and or pharmaceutical treatments before you see significant results. I've been witness to several people in my life experiencing a dramatic reversal of their depression symptoms by going the route of medications, so Natalie's story rings true for me. Be sure to talk to your doctor if you think medication might be worth considering. Some of Natalie's problematic behavior has origins in her youth, and she's now able to identify some specific translations of this into her adult relationships. Unfortunately, self-worth, or lack thereof, is a huge issue when it comes to depression, and that can be difficult to overcome in any relationship. Um, well, the reason why I was able to identify that there was something wrong with me or not wrong with me, that's really awful to say, <laughs> but like wrong with like the, with like my behavior and the way that I, I was living my day-to-day life um, was like any little thing could kind of set me off. And I've been able to tie it back to certain, like at least in some instances, like um it's like this example that is just so it's like spot on for for me and like how I was thinking in my head um when I was younger um even maybe sometimes a little bit now it still happens but it doesn't it doesn't have quite as much of an effect on me now um but I would argue with my grandmother cuz she raised me she's like my mom I would we would argue and then it would blow over and I would think that everything was fine and a week would go go by and then she would be out and she'd come home and she's like, I I was at the mall and I saw this thing and it was, it was so perfect for you. And I was like, Oh, cool. What was it? Like whatever this top or something stupid. And then she was like, Oh yeah, I was going to buy it for you, but I didn't because of this thing that you did a week ago. Or this thing that you said. And I'm like, oh, you're still mad about that. Great. Okay. We're right back. I thought that I thought that we were fine. Okay. So she would deliberately either do things or not do things to show me that she was mad. It's like very passive aggressive. But I just assumed that everybody was like that. Like I just kind of like uh, started thinking that people were just like that. So... Um, in my relationship, uh, this thing would happen where, let's say, I go to work and I'm telling my partner, like, the kitchen's a mess. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do the dishes today. And then he doesn't get around to doing them because he was busy. He was working. He was whatever. Like, he didn't want to <laughs> for whatever reason. And then I get home and the dishes aren't done. And I know that now I have to do them. I've worked all day. I don't want to do the dishes 
And I start thinking to myself, like, why didn't he do them? So then I'm running through this long list of things that I have potentially done to upset him. What did I do? Maybe it was this thing that I said, or maybe it was this other thing that I did, or maybe like last Tuesday when I didn't want to do this other thing, or like just like any reason that I can come up with. And then when I can't come up with a reason, I'm going through like, well, maybe, maybe it's not that maybe he just doesn't love you which is so insane. Well, maybe he doesn't love you. Well, why would he love you? And then I would just bury these feelings inside of me until I blew up. And then it was just like this colossal argument where I would be screaming and crying, just saying like, you don't love me enough. Like I, I'm not good enough, but blaming him because I felt like I wasn't good enough. So that really had a massive wear on our relationship. Um, And he was really supportive when it came to me seeking um, mental health, um, like a counselor for, for mental health and stuff. Like he was really supportive in that. And like, if you don't want to take medication, like that's fine. But if you do like, uh, ask me whatever you want to ask me and I'll talk you through it, what it's like for me. But relationship wise um he was not the best support um so i mean you partner up a person with depression and a person with anxiety and it even my counselor was like you've got a recipe for a failing relationship like i'm not saying that it can't work out but it's probably not going to work out and he was right It wasn't until Natalie started her medication that she was able to realize the relationship she was in was not helping her mental health and decided that things needed to change. Like, it's better for me to just kind of, like, be on my own while I'm trying to sort through this stuff because I don't have this, like, massive weight on me of wondering why the person that I love the most can't or won't love me, uh, whether it's rational or irrational. And I think most of it was irrational. I mean, like, and and that was happening on a regular basis. Like, why why don't you want to do this thing with me? It must be because you don't like me. Why don't you like me? Well, you must think this and this and this about me. If you don't like me, well, then that certainly means that you don't love me. Oh, it's just insane. Like, and that, that in of itself, I was like, I need help. Like, I need help to sort through these awful circles of thoughts that I have and it was like repetitive like it was I don't even know what to compare it to like I want to compare it to something specific but I can't think of what it is right now but it's just this like repetitive cycle and it doesn't matter and it lasts for like a few days so imagine being in bed for like three days and all you can think about is like why why you're not good enough uh, for for anything like why why should I go to work like who I don't want to be out in public or why should I make art you're such a fraud like you're not good enough to you know nobody knows who you are because your art is shit <laughs> you know one of the big red flags associated with depression is a loss of interest in the things you're passionate about Natalie saw this when she was not able to pick up her camera but I can't create when I'm sad. 
I don't know if that's like a misconception with artists that like artists are just like perpetually sad because they need their sadness and their emotions to create. I cannot like I, I, I'm not, I'm not worth anything when I'm, when I'm that down. Like don't even ask me to pick up my camera. And I also knew that there was something wrong when I was, I, I remember having a conversation with my ex about, potentially not doing photography anymore like I feel like I have no right to pick up that camera I don't want to do it anymore um I have tried to create things when I'm really low in hopes that it will kind of like lift me up a little bit because people are always like well you know if you feel sad like do whatever like I, I do little things like I'll cross stitch or I'll color things like that like it's not a massive deal but when it comes to like the stuff that I'm really really passionate about um I remember one time setting up lights I set up my background and I really wanted to work on this self-portrait thing and I think I got like two or three photos in and I couldn't get the lighting right and it was probably just because I wasn't thinking straight like I just didn't have my head on right I was preoccupied and I was just like two years of school and you can't even get the lighting right what the fuck is wrong with you you're such a pathetic asshole just go back to bed like that's where you belong i'm just gonna go watch this movie for the hundredth time because it's like the only thing that i'm comfortable doing right now as a photographer natalie is vulnerable and honest and even though she struggles to create when she is low she managed to create a series that reflected on and revealed so much of what she was experiencing with her mental illness with my last art show i was able to create this thing and it really i was more scared of bearing it all because it was about my depression it was about my failing relationship and it was very obvious what it was about. Like there was no, I mean, I suppose that you could have looked at, looked at it without my artist statement and, and thought that maybe um, it was about something else. But I think that the sadness was the main thing. Like there was no way that you were going to miss that. Like the whole series was very, very sad. And that was, that was my intent. Um, but I wasn't scared of whether people would like it or not. Like I didn't care if people liked it or didn't like it. Um, I was mo mostly just scared of how vulnerable I felt showing it. The funny thing about it is that now that it's done, um, I feel so much, I don't feel the way that I felt when I created it anymore. Like, I don't feel like that. Um, and I, sh I showed it and I went back a few weeks later. I was downtown and I ran into some people that couldn't make it to the show and it was still hanging. So I was like, well, let's go take a peek. So we went in there and I was looking at it and I was watching them look at it. And I found myself like hating it. And not because like I didn't think it was good work. I was happy with the work. I was happy that people were enjoying it. But it was over. Like it felt like a real close to that struggle that I had for, I don't even know, it was like it was a good like three or four years of like really bad, like a really, really hard, hard struggle. And I just like it's rolled up in in my closet right now and it's put away and I don't really have any in want or need to show it again. 
Unfortunately, Natalie's depression was masked a lot and dismissed as relationship issues by those around her. Not everyone saw the behaviors that led to her realization that something wasn't right, and in fact, even when she reached out for help and support, many people didn't believe she was struggling. I I don't have an instance really where somebody really approached me to ask me really like how am I doing um and unfortunately because my darkest years were when I was in a bad relationship like the relationship was bad um so I think a lot of my stuff got looked over because they were like well that's just your boyfriend which like some of it like it's all I, and it's all messily tied together like it's it's really like my relationship might have been as bad as it was because i was that depressed like i'm i definitely think that my sadness had um a, a role to play because uh, i was like i was very angry like my 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 sadness comes out in in like really bad anger and then it turns to it's more internalized and and sad but it not in not before i lash out in like a really aggressive way so obviously that had a role in in my in my breakup um so if i ever talked about stuff they were just like <laughs> here we go natalie's shitty relationship stories again so i didn't really have anybody t- asking me but I didn't want people, I didn't really want people to ask me because I felt like nobody really wanted to hear the real answer. Um, because even after I had told people, I was still getting like complete shock. Like, what do you mean you're depressed? There's no way. There's no way that you're depressed. You're so happy and colorful. Nobody with lipstick as bright as yours can be depressed. And I'm just like, fuck. Like, is anybody gonna listen? Like, I'm telling you. This isn't like you asking me and I'm like, oh, I'm sad. And then you don't want to listen. Like, I'm just like, I'm the one coming out and saying it. And it was like, some people still didn't want to hear it. Um... And I think that that's why I'm so vocal all the time and most of the time like on social media and it's easier to do it on social media because then everybody reads it and I'm just like now y'all know like I need you to know that this is the real this is a real thing you know Uh, but there's always somebody who comes back with a little tidbit about themselves that makes me feel good about being vocal about it like this past week you know I was like I've been in such an upswing lately that I forgot that days could get this bad for no reason whatsoever. And somebody that I know happened to comment and we didn't really get into a discussion about it because we're not really great friends. Like we're just acquaintances. And she's like, I've been on a really low swing. So thanks for the reminder of like, you know, that, you know, if you go down, you're bound to go back, come back up again. And the other way too. Um, so I'm glad that, you know, that I, that even that small reminder, cause like when people were talking about themselves, like that there's comfort in that. Right. And I, even if you don't, I don't know, even if you don't 
ask people how they are or you don't if there's like any way that you can find a way to just get it get it out there Having watched from a distance people I care about suffer and not knowing what to do, I wanted to discuss with Natalie if someone had been able to come to her with concerns for her mental health, would she have been open to hearing it? Can you approach someone in crisis and label what they're going through? I know that I've been struggling with depression for for years, like since at least like my late teens. But only because I've been able to, like, I've read so many articles about behavior and, like, I can I can really identify it. Like, the behavior is there and it is, it's throughout the past 10 years. Like, it's, it's, it's in there. But I remember being approached by my mom saying, like, oh, I'm worried about you. I think that you're bipolar. But it felt like an attack. Like, I was just like, fuck you. Like, why would you say that to me? Uh, but again, this is like 10 years ago, and people really didn't talk about anything. Um, I f really feel like it's different now. I, it's still not where it should be, uh, but it's very, it's very, very different. For someone that is so vocal about discussing mental health, I wanted to know what Natalie would offer someone who was suffering with mental health issues and didn't know what to do. Go to counseling. Don't even go to counseling because you think that you might be depressed or or you're really sad or anxious. Like, go to counseling because counseling is amazing for anybody and everybody. Whether you're having a hard time at work or you're fighting with your best friend or you don't get along with your parents. Like, for whatever reason, just go. Like, even if it's like once a month, once every six months, I don't know. I think it's so beneficial to have... Somebody who isn't part of your life to talk to and to get, you know, like, I feel amazing that I can talk to. He's not a stranger anymore. Uh, but I mean, like, I also don't ever see him outside of like my counseling sessions. So, but like to be able to say the most awful things to a stranger, like I had a really bad day and, and just to just really get your feelings out about whoever it is like your boss or or whatever you know like we don't I don't like to be hateful or or negative or anything like that but you know we all have like thoughts somebody pisses you off and and you think a certain way and you would never say the things that you think out loud um but like to a counselor you can you know you can like talk about this stuff and sort through your feelings because emotions are difficult to navigate um Everything is, life alone is difficult to navigate. I would just cons consider counseling. Like, I wish that I had gone to counseling 10 years ago when people were telling me to go to counseling. I was like, no. So what? So that a stranger can tell me what I already know? But it's so beneficial. Like, it's, you know, you don't have your friends. Like, it's great talking to friends. I love, you know, I've got my girlfriends that are a solid like 10. Like, they come over and we drink and chat and just talk about our lives but something about counseling is just like a step beyond that and if you feel like you need medication like consider it it's not it's scary and maybe it's not for you but at least like I don't know like don't turn your nose at it because the because like society thinks that it's a bad thing you might be surprised how many people are medicated and you don't even know it 
like even just like admitting it to people and like people will admit it back to me i'm just like yeah i'm really happy now i'm medicated (laughs) but like i'm like happy as a normal person could be like i don't have this like imbalance that's making me like unnaturally sad and they're like oh yeah like that's not that's not a big deal i've been on i was on antidepressants for a while i was going through a hard time i had just had a baby you know uh and i'm like oh shit really whoa i had no idea so even just like saying it and getting out there will getting like your ideas and thoughts out there like will start conversations in like the most unexpected ways Natalie's experiences with depression are certainly not the most extreme, and many people suffer with thoughts of self-harm and spend years trying to find the right medication for relief of their symptoms. But I wanted to go down this road with her. She's the friend that unexplainably drops off your radar. She's the coworker that you love to be around but misses work. Her problematic behaviors and her relationship you just chalk up to boyfriend issues. And she's far too personable and fun for you to comprehend that she might be dealing with mental health issues. I have a lot of respect for Natalie. It took her a long time to figure out what was going on with her, and I hope that this discussion might open the eyes of someone who can relate to what Natalie has gone through. Does this sound like someone you know? Does this sound like you? I want to reiterate, if you believe you may be struggling with your mental health, please talk to your doctor. If someone you care about seems to be struggling with symptoms of depression, ask and listen and support, and always be sure you are encouraging them to seek professional help. If you want more information on mental health, I highly recommend checking out cmha.ca to connect to the Canadian Mental Health Association. I'd also recommend camh, that's camh.ca, which will connect you to the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. Oh, and one last thing. Talk to your doctor. If talking to your doctor is not an option, please contact a distress center near you. Distress or crisis phone lines are open 24 hours a day. They offer free, confidential, and anonymous telephone counseling and information. If you're anywhere in Ontario, try Connects Ontario. That's 1-866-531-2600. If you'd rather text than talk to someone directly, then the crisis text line might be what you need. Just text the word HOME, that's H-O-M-E, to 686868 from anywhere in Canada. But let's be clear, if you are in immediate danger or need urgent medical or psychiatric attention, visit your local emergency department or pick up the phone and dial 911. Before I go, I want to thank Natalie for sharing her experiences and her story so that we can benefit from learning about her struggles with mental health. A big shout out to my healthcare professional friends who have offered guidance and feedback, and I also want to take a minute to thank Sarah Heron, the genius behind the graphic design work for this episode. On the next episode of We Make People, I would take every opportunity I had to go and hide in my bedroom and force my husband to take over because I just couldn't stand the sound of my kids. I uncover one mother's struggle with postpartum depression. It's not what you'd expect, and it's not an easy topic to discuss. Motherhood is supposed to be this beautiful, fulfilling, and natural experience, 
but in reality, it can be a war of attrition where every cry and every demand feels impossible and every nighttime feed fills the mind with darkness and isolation. I also want to discuss if there's value in seeking mental health support when you're not in crisis. You have a doctor for when your body feels unwell. You have a dentist for when your tooth aches. Do you have a mental health professional for when you really need to talk to someone? Be sure to listen next time on We Make People. Like what you just heard? Want more? Subscribe through iTunes and be sure to visit the website at wemakepeople.org for more resources and discussion. Share, connect, empower. We Make People. Thanks for listening.